Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, the podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. There's a 10% discount on your legal fees. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. With me, Michael Normanton. Hello. Moscow White as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. I believe it was one of the cool bands that said, I want it all and I want it now. If that is you and you want the full TSB package, have a look at TSB+. Plus. You get every digital copy of the mag we've ever done since 2009. All the podcasts ad-free. Priority access to the match ball straight after a game so you can revel in 2-0 defeats down at Brighton sooner than anybody else. Uh, you get exclusive subscriber-only podcast content on the Extra Ball, daily email with all the essential Leeds news and discounts on our merch as well. It's at the squareball.net forward slash plus. Let's start with the good news from the weekend. Phil Hay made it through alive. I am pleased. We've sent him a card. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, yeah, it was good news, that wasn't it? I think we were probably a bit more worried than Phil on the mm. face of it anyway. I'm sure he was I'm sure he was worried deep down, but he wasn't showing it, was he? Remarkably blase. When I phoned him up before he went in and um I hadn't had a chance to chat to him about it. It was like the week before he he went in and um trying to actually get him to focus on the, the topic in hand was quite difficult, you know. Don't worry about how I am, Phil. What the fuck is going on <laughs> with kind of my uh I take it, but uh, credit to the surgeons. Great bunch of lads, aren't they? The most intimidating aspect of this for me is because we're obviously arranging guests to cover him on the Phil Hay Show, that podcast, is Phil has given me access to his fabled contacts book, uh, many of which are my heroes, and I'm terrified about ringing him up. <laughs> and so, like, I picked Tony Dorigo first, I was like, because he's my favourite all-time player, and when he's on later this week on the Phil Hay Show, I am going to be fawning over him just to make you aware of this. That's absolutely fine. I think I'll I'll join you in that, probably. Stare at his his gorgeous face. Should have got David Robertson on as a a slower introduction for us. But no, well done, Phil. Well done, Phil, for uh, getting through that. It doesn't sound like it was much fun. I know he was saying, he put his nice article out, didn't he, saying, you know, it's it's benign and all that, but it's still someone cutting a hole in your skull. I mean, it's not ideal. And congratulations to Phil as well for taking part in the social media boycott over the weekend. Brain surgery is a fairly good excuse for not using your phone. We did it. I mean, I did break it to mention that Phil was still alive and well because a lot of people wanted to know, which ironically has turned into our most popular ever Twitter post. Felt like a, a hell of a weekend to have that happen when you're trying to send a message to the social media companies. At least it was positive news. Maybe that's, uh, it proves a point that what people want from their social media channels is good news stories that makes them feel better about something nice that is happening in the world, that somebody is, is coming through a serious operation and is going to be well and happy instead of the uh, the hatred and annoyance that it seems to drive that was kind of the point. There were quite a few hot takes on this over the weekend. People saying, well, I'm not going to do this because X or Y. And, you know, if you've got your reasons, fine. Do it. Don't do it. That's entirely a personal decision, isn't it? We, we chose to do it because we have to send a message, don't we? I, I, to me, it just felt like it's one of those things where you've got to give it a whirl because that's what Marcelo said. You've got to at least try and send a message to the social media companies that you can do more. You know, we want to use your platforms, but make them a bit better. I don't think it was the argument either that this is it. This is the only thing that can happen and will happen, and this is the end of it. I think there's there's more to be done. I think everyone would, would have to acknowledge that. And it's, I guess in some ways, it's a slightly weak first step, but uh, maybe it is a first step. But it's expressing a will for change, isn't it? That's the point. And it felt like it had some momentum behind this one. It started with uh, Swansea, didn't it? They were the first ones who said that we're just going to not bother for a few days. And then once it got to, I mean, once the sun 
are going, if you think, okay, there's, there's actually quite a lot of people going to actually do this. So there will be some point to it. It's not going to be just a, a whisper in the dark. And I think there is a, it's a bit of a flex, less from us, but more from the, the Premier League clubs and the, the other big dogs who were taking part of it to say, we can do without this. And it'd be interesting to see what results they can then take to the social media companies of saying, well, actually more people came to our website to find out what was going on in matches. We ran live blogs. I know it's the uh, the under-23s game wasn't on YouTube and Twitter as it, it normally is. That wasn't shown live, but Leeds have LUTV. And it's a way of saying, well, if you're not going to help us on Twitter by stopping people from sending Tyler Roberts a load of fucking abuse, then what's the point in us putting our games on your platform so that you can make money off the advertising? We'll just do it on LUTV. And there's there's those um, uh, alternative kind of social media networks. I mean, Andrea Ratrizzani's invested in, I think it's one football, isn't it? Whether it's at the moment, if we looked at that and it is just like tweets sorted by club. And so you just see what all football clubs are saying. But there's there's options there for Premier League clubs, European clubs, all clubs, players, athletes, to say, we actually do have the abilities to start our own social networks if you're not going to find a way of, of stopping people from sending us abuse like this. And I think that he's making the point as well that you can moderate it properly. There seems to be a, an attitude from social media companies sometimes to be like, well, we haven't really got the staff to do this. This isn't possible. What they actually mean is if we try and moderate this properly, we won't make as much money. It is not a good enough excuse to say that. If in other businesses, you can't say, "Well, if we did all, if one is put the set, the scaffolding up safely, it would cost us twice as much." So that's why that's why we don't bother. We just let people go big ladders. It's like sometimes, as an operating cost of your business, you've got to do things in a proper way. One of the criticisms of the boycott was that it should be, you know, why aren't the Premier League and Twitter sorting this out together? But you can see there has been reports and there's plenty of conversation and examples out there of where. The Premier League has gone to social media companies with examples and said this was sent to a person, it was reported, and Twitter have gone back and said, well, we don't actually think that contravenes our community guidelines. And there's the point where you say, well, okay, your community guidelines need fucking sorting out then if that is not uh, something that you're going to stop being sent through your platform. Is that something that they go, oh, no, no, that's, that's perfectly fine. We think people should be able to send that to public figures or whoever so this is part way through a bigger conversation that the the Premier League and players' representatives are having with social media companies, where they they do feel like they're just banging their head against a, a brick wall because they want numbers. That's what yeah. Twitter's all about. It's about growth and numbers and going to their shareholders and saying millions of tweets were sent over Twitter this weekend and all these adverts got looked at. Isn't that great? Aren't we valuable? Invest more money in us and never actually looking at the content of just, what is being sent. Just improve your algorithm. That's what I'd say, because it seems like a lot of the bans and the not bans are done by algorithm and by AI and machine learning, whatever it might be. Just make that a bit better. Put more humans in it. More humans in it is the way forward. It's just that humans are expensive mm. and it's not it's not the tech way to just say, well, why don't we just have people, loads of people looking yeah. at these things because and, it's hard work and it costs a lot of money. And as you said, it's a reminder that there are other platforms out there. I mean, like, for example, Moscow, you're on Parler spouting your right wing <laughs> hate views <laughs> All the time. Now, and you mentioned actually about shareholders. I think anecdotally, I haven't researched this properly, but you know, why start now? That Twitter's um, share price dropped over the weekend. So even if it was just a little nudge, a little reminder in the right direction, then you know, do something. It's a little proof that it could happen. You know, people came off Twitter for four days, and the sky did not cave in. What happens if they come off for a week, two quite, weeks? I quite enjoyed a month. it. I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed not having to react to losing at Brighton, and I quite enjoyed not having to interact with hot takes because it's just it's draining, isn't it? And that's not the fault of anybody in particular about having your hot take about Brighton. It disappears off into the ether after no time at all. It's just draining, isn't it? That doom scrolling. I did notice it though over the weekend because things you take for granted, like getting the team and stuff that you just you just find on Twitter, post game quotes and stuff that you just used to appear in there from whoever it is that you follow. We're all of a sudden not there, and mm. it was it was noticeable. But as Moscow said, if Twitter didn't exist, and then everything filtered onto there gradually over time, and that became how you consume these things and how you get to know about these things, and if if it wasn't there, a team people weren't using it, it would disappear as well. I mean, that's the thing as as well. With it seems to have acquired this outsized position in society where so much of what's in the news is you know so and so has tweeted this about so and so, and that's news. 
And so it feels like it's an integral part of society and always have been. But maybe one of the, the benefits of being a little bit older is being able to remember looking at scores on teletext, trying to get radio signals. There's only one game a week on TV. And so you have to wait and read in the newspaper what, what happened. And then Twitter is only the latest for me in a, a story that began with Friendster is where I had my first ever social media profile. And then you can go from there to MySpace, then Facebook. Now it's Twitter. Snapchat was big for a while. Still run your Bebo? Bebo, again, I mean, a generation of people grew up on Bebo and now it's not there. It is possible that Twitter might go away. It's not that important that it needs to be preserved and that it's a, you know, it's a, a free speech right has to be expressed through this one private company. There are other options that maybe will be better. And it is kind of one of the breaks of the weekend is, yeah, you had to work out where do you go and get the, the scores from. So you go and look at a website and it has the, the score update and then you scroll down a bit and then there aren't 100 people calling each other Fuckwits. Well, well, don't tell me, quite don't, nice. don't tell me the score because I'm waiting for today's Yorkshire Evening Post before I look at it post bank holiday to find out how Leeds got on over the but weekend. It's, it's kind of refreshing that you can it just is, look yeah. at the football score and not have to deal with what comes afterwards on Twitter yeah. with the inevitable temptation just to move your thumb a little bit. And so, yeah, there are um, other ways to go. I think it, where the annoyance came from a legitimate place this weekend was in people like the sun doing it who have never done anything progressive in their lives around this stuff and then also I guess some of the authorities as well taking part in it and you think well you've actually had the chance in the past to properly punish racist abuse and you've give, handed out like little fines and stuff so well, Kiko keep Kassir it consistent always gets brought up and was brought up when Leeds said they were coming off and while I've no time for what the sun has, has got to say on the subject you do sometimes have to go well alright let's just look at what they're, they're doing now the one voice in this and, and Leeds's alternative would have been well okay because Kiko could see a place for our under 23s we'll just keep tweeting we can't get involved in this because of that and also the you know the Karen Carney example got thrown at them as well like how can you be arguing about social media hate when you put her through 24 hours of misery how can you do this ago? when this has happened been before in the past exactly and what about her the only way you can move it forward is to say okay they did that and I think she was apologised to at least Rad Rizzani claimed there was a, a conversation. Was was it had, one of those? I'm, I'm sorry, sorry you feel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> but to say, but as an example of having learned from it and moving forward with this boycott as part of it and changing behaviour in the future, if the sun suddenly becomes trailblazers for um, anti-racism and responsible social media usage as part of this, then happy days. The the world gets better. I don't expect that, but I do expect from Leeds. And yeah, that's what they were saying, maybe rather than the direct apology to, to Karen Carney, whether she felt she needed one or not. It was um, more about, we'll maybe think about not doing something like that in the future, because although we Leeds didn't intend thousands of people to then go and spend um, the rest of the night dragging her, um, that did happen. And they needed to step back and go, oh yeah, if you tweet that, that happens. Yeah, lessons, that's how lessons works. have been learned and let's hope that lessons get learned from this boycott over the weekend. But you know, equally, you don't hold your breath. So while we are all for a bit of agitation and a little bit of protest to try and make change occur, scum fans, legitimate reason to protest or not, because they're upset, yet they're second in the league and they're in a European final. I think that's to their credit. I admire the fact that even though they are second in the league and could probably win the Europa League, because I don't know who's going to stop them, particularly if they're... Um, I mean, Arsenal aren't going to be in the final. Who are Arsenal losing to? Themselves, one could argue. But they are essentially on the pitch absolutely fine and will be in the running for Erling Haaland if he moves in the summer. All that is fine. And even despite that, for them to still say... No, we want to protest against the Glazers and their ownership is good. It's Villarreal they're playing, by the way, and the 2-1 down. I mean, Scum uh... can probably beat them in the final. If they can beat Roma, they should be able to beat Villarreal. So there'll, there'll be an, another trophy in the cabinet, as there has been plenty of since the Glazers arrived, but there will still be. It's the bunch who protested against them when they arrived, some of whom then went and formed FC United of Manchester, and then the ones who stayed because they wanted to carry on supporting the club in Old Trafford rather than a new one who protested again in 2010. And then it is because of the relative success that the club has enjoyed, although you wouldn't 
necessarily be able to tell from the way they bang on about it sometimes, has kept a lid on any protests over there, despite the fact that the Glazers' ownership is fucking terrible for everybody. Like the way that they are able to control that club has implications for us all. That then when the European Super League proposal comes along with them driving it and at the heart of it, those original protested groups have been able to say to the other ones, this is what we were talking about all along. It's all right, we can sign a £100 million player every summer. We can win the Europa League. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is doing very well on the pitch. And I think they are on the pitch. They're a happy bunch. Um, the guy we, we highlighted last week who was describing himself as um, Solskjaer out, I did notice he apparently went to this protest and other scum fans told him to fuck off because they hate him, um, which was interesting detail. All that's fine, but they were able to say, look, but the, the ultimate ending to this is not going to be happy. It's Super League. It's complete disassociation from the club and the league that we want to play in and the way that we want the football club to be. Fine, we'll be able to sign. We'll sign Erling Haaland in the summer, whatever. But there's enough of them that have gone, realised what comes after that ultimately is not going to be good. They're on a good journey to a bad place. Hilarious seeing Sky getting all upset about it because they were all for protest, weren't they? Fan protest was a good thing until their flagship game got disrupted and their products got knackered at the weekend. So it was uh, interesting to see the flip-flop on that. I agree with you to an extent. All those things are correct, Moscow. But also, another thing that can be true is it's dead funny and they're a bunch of entitled bastards. Man United, since the formation of the Premier League, have essentially outspent everyone until Abramovich came along, didn't they? And they were all fine with that. And it does feel a little bit like there is definitely, I think, an element of we've not won the league in a long time now and we probably deserve to. And it's not fair that Man City get to spend more money and Chelsea get to spend more money. I think there definitely is some of that there. And I think we see it insofar as this was always happening with the Glazers. And there were protests when they came in, but there was nothing like this. No one ever stormed the ground. There were people bought scarves and there were, there were protests outside the ground. It was pretty vocal. Obviously, there was a big enough protest element that a whole new club was formed. But things did settle down after that initial period, didn't they? And Ferguson was there still. He kind of held it all together for him. And I think while that was going on, the majority of people were kind of all right with it. I suppose where it's where you, whether you draw a line of, are you allowed to protest years later because you've changed your mind? Which I think is something we found at Leeds because for a lot of time, people were split on baits, weren't they? And then I think over the period of his ownership, people eventually came round to the right way of thinking, which was <laughs> which was that he was a, an absolute parasite and we were never going anywhere with him in charge. And I, I, I suppose I wouldn't want to have said to people, well, you, you liked him three years ago, because what would be the function of that? You, you've got to say, eventually you've got to say, well, I'm glad you've made the right decision, eventually. It's like the, um, the current polarisation of politics, isn't it? How you've got this extreme left and extreme right, and there's no appreciation that actually, if you want to make change happen... You need to appeal to everybody who's not at the extremes and get the people in the middle, the the so-called normal, if you like, you know, to use uh, air quotes and for want of a better phrase. And I wish, from our point of view, like I wish we'd done more about Bates and done it sooner. Like the, the second we were relegated from the championship, people should have been in that ground demanding he fucks off. Yeah, we, we should have been storming the uh, the creditors meeting. We should have been taking over that, shouldn't we, really? But it's, and there it's, were, it's there diff- were people there. Yeah. They always remind there was people doing those things, just not in as many numbers because... What has happened here is when new information meets opportunity. So the, the European Super League is new information. That's the the way that you say to those ordinary kind of not it's, to it's ask ev- fans. Evidence, yeah, you it? say, look, this is where what yeah. they're they're taking us towards. And also opportunity, which is the pandemic in a way, and fans being locked outside of the grounds. You couldn't have broken into a stadium in this manner two seasons ago. They could have tried, I suppose the reverse is a walkout, which is one that happened at, at Leeds at one point. Um, under Cellino and ended up just being a real damp squib because not enough people took part and you couldn't see what happened. I remember walking down to the northeast bar and feeling really deflated because you realise fucking 20,000 people in the stadium are absolutely just don't want to do that. No, don't want to miss five minutes of the game. It's five minutes before half time, whatever. So new information meets opportunity and it persuades enough people like, oh, actually there is something. And there will be in any kind of, in a riot you will have a lot of different people there to do a lot of different things. You'll have the people there with the the passionate support of uh, supporter involvement and ownership. You'll have people there who understand the the financial situation with the Glazers. You'll have people there who are annoyed that Man City are going to win the league again. And you'll have people there who just want to go and smack a copper. You know, you, unless you're going to hold a, interviews with people before they enter the protest and say, well, can you just confirm 
uh, which one of re- these reasons is is the one way here. You just kind of have to go along with it and um, and understand what they're protesting about is more important than the actual details of how the protest was particularly carried out. That's one of the the perils of social media coverage is that you you can almost see too much to distract you from the the bigger picture that you get every little you know this happened here between two people in a protest of of several thousand takes you away from the bigger picture which it's hard to sort of get your your handle on what the problem is with the the glazers but the situation is that they have never put a penny into that football club that's the they just basically had enough security to rack up a massive debt didn't they that was about the size of it and now they and now They've made the money that they did put in. They their two hundred and seventy million pounds, I think it was, which was then a load of banks said to them, "We are not getting involved in this until they found Ed Woodward at J.P. Morgan and um, a huge rate of interest for the other seven hundred million pounds that meant they bought a football club that they couldn't afford. So they could not afford that football club. Now they've made back all the money that they put in. Everything that they make now is pure profit, and they pay themselves more than any other. Premier League owners, so they are really taking the fat out of that football club. But at the same time, there's enough money in it to go and buy a hundred million pound player every summer, and there's enough momentum in the team because of who the club is that they will always be successful to a, a certain degree. It's very difficult. Well, the dice are loaded in their favour, yeah. aren't they now? And that's the other that's the other side of this. Why I think Premier League fans think fuck off, but then, because the Premier League is geared to them. Yes, and they can they can keep running a successful club, but then. The reason why they're a problem for everybody else is now because the Glazers, we've seen, well, they've tried to destroy the league system with the European Super League, which would have rebounded on us. But it's not a good position to have them there, having paid nothing for the club. For them to go, Kieran Maguire, the um, price of football guy, did a breakdown on how much it would take to get them out. Three billion quid to get rid of them. And it's all based on fans' money. And that's the the thing is the money that pays for, for Maguire, for Pogba, it doesn't come from the owners. It comes from supporters, whether they're in Salford or Singapore, buying tickets, shirts, TV subscriptions, walking around as a Chevrolet billboard. So they'll give you a certain amount of money all because a fan will do a certain thing. That's where all the money comes from. That's how they're able to go to a bank and get billions of pounds of uh, loans. And now, because they make so much money out of it, to buy it off them, the estimate is the, the stock exchange value is $2 billion and um, Kieran Maguire reckons they would want a premium on top, so it's going to take three billion. So you reduce the number of people who can actually buy that football club to a handful of people in the world have enough money to actually buy it from the Glazers. And the Glazers have shown they're not interested in running a, a good. They'll just buy a fucking player every now and again. They like Solskjaer. Put Solskjaer chuck, in. The, chuck them a bone. Yeah, and just keep it running. And then until something like the European Super League comes on, that gives them an opportunity. And it's. It contributes to this argument that I think we all suffer from where billionaire owners are this kind of mythical beast in the Premier League that are seen as necessary, but they're actually completely unnecessary. The Glazers, to an extent, are holding that club to ransom. Unless we get £3 billion, we just own it and you can't have it. You don't need to be rich to run that football club. We could go down there with our pool, our net worth... (laughs) If it 20 was, quid. If it was handed to us, <laughs> enough money comes into that club that it just runs itself. Yeah. You can you can do all that. They don't put any money in, so we could run it without putting any money in. I'd and run do, it, I would run it into the ground. And do exactly the same job. And then we would probably do a better job because if you look at that profit and loss... I don't sheet, think we would do a better job. Of course we would. No, I think we would. Look at that profit and so, loss. Start with Solskjaer, 10-year contract. You think the things that they've not been doing with the stadium and the training grounds, you just go to a bank and you get a loan for those things based on that profit and loss sheet, which is absolutely phenomenal. It, you don't All that we need billionaire owners for in the Premier League is to buy football clubs from other billionaire owners because they want the billions. None of it actually goes through the football club. So trying to find a solution to that, if these protests and scum fans can somehow sort this out and get some, you know, there was a legislative bomb ready to stop the Super League to make sure that this can't happen again, it helps us in the future if Radrizzani suddenly gets an offer from some billionaires who say, oh, well, or even not billionaires, some fucking two-bit no-marks like the Glazers who come along and say, well, we've got a bit of money, but we've got some idiot bank who, well, not an idiot bank because they make huge money off the interest. We've got enough money from a bank that will come in and we'll never put any money in and we'll just run it and, and take the money out. If that can be stopped, 
it's all to our benefit. It's just not, it's just not a good scene. What I would like is for that all to be sorted out, scum to be run properly with decent owners and relegated <laughs> properly for being shit because it's not helpful in football that so many relegations and victories are dependent on economics. And that goes back to Leeds United in 2004 when we were effectively relegated as a consequence of Peter Ridsdale taking out a stupid loan. It's not that, you know, something happened on the football pitch that meant we went down. The cons- the real thing that happened yeah. was something in a bank where, you know, tune on, is he going to sign that, that loan? Well, he's signed it. The witness is coming in. It's and, being countersigned. And make make no mistake, he was shooting for the same uh, moon that they had as well over the hills. Yeah. He wanted to be like And them. it would be a much more entertaining sport if every football club at every level were all breaking even, maybe profitable, but they weren't in danger of going bust. And all the games got sorted out based on who had the better players and the better coaches. That's what it should be. Told you, instead, didn't I? It's, uh, it's this sickening right-wing ideology that Moscow <sighs> spouting again. I don't know why we give him a platform. Well, look, it looks like the Premier League are going to be, I mean, it might be, uh, you know, the horse. my Newton Heath shirt on. The, uh, <laughs> the horse might have bolted in this regard, but better late than never if the Premier League now, given the swinging power that the, um, the six who tried to defect away to the European Super League have lost that power temporarily. It now gives the other 14 the chance to legislate to stop this shit happening again. So if that's the good that's going to come from it, then fair enough. Give the Glazers more time. And it may take uh, the only way to get rid of um, the Glazers and the other owners like them. There aren't really any exactly like them. Could be that it just ends up being a coin pop. And if Scum do have to get relegated Fine. under these circumstances, while the rest of football is running away, that means that can't happen again, then so be it. I mean, you look at Ridsdale... We couldn't service the debt that we incurred because the the turnover wasn't there. That's not the case for Man United. But it would be funny if they got into a situation where they couldn't service the debt. The thing is, it is there, isn't it? If the TV next TV deal's crap, they can't service the debt all of a sudden. If fans aren't allowed in the stadium for another year, you can't service the debt. There's, stuff can happen quite quickly, and, and particularly the broadcast revenue has grown so consistently and so rapidly that everyone assumes it's a a never-ending pot of cash that's going to be there. And as, will... as we know, it's not exponential, is it? <laughs> but it's not always there for you. And it's just not a healthy position for people to be buying football clubs effectively for nothing, loading them up with debt and taking the money out. That's why I do like where we are, is what I was saying, I think, in the last mm. week or two. There's a, a little bit more something. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's it's not even real. Maybe it's just me projecting Bielsa onto the whole club. I don't know. But something feels quite pure about where we are at the minute. And I quite like the idea that we're doing things the right way, he said, again, in air quotes. That's kind of down to what I was saying about the, the billionaire owners thing before, is it's not even necessary to get to the point of supporter ownership and 50 plus one, although that would be lovely. Just getting back to the point where people who would be good at running football clubs can buy them, because the the small number of people who can buy scum, none of them are really soccer experts. None of them know the first thing about running a football club, but Andrea Radrizzani, who up to now, and touch wood, seems to have worked out a good way of running a football club, could never afford to buy them. But they need somebody like that who would be able to sensibly run the football club properly. But those people are just completely ruled out of being able to buy them. That's why Newcastle can't get anybody to to buy them off uh, Mike Ashley. So their fans go running from whatever regime they can find to another, just desperate to take it off their hands. When Newcastle, if it was sold tomorrow to somebody for nothing, would be run fine we don't need billionaires to do this but they're locked out everybody else is locked out by the way that they've ramped up the uh, the value of their clubs purely for their own interest it's the billions to buy these clubs don't go into the clubs they go into the pockets of the person who has created that inflated value ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. 
It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And now we've said all that and we've been very wholesome and we've fixed football yet again. Let's talk about how we want to spunk all our Premier League TV money on new players. Uh, Mind you, first of all, Alioski, he's on the way out for 10 million euros to Napoli despite his contract expiring in a number of weeks. Which um, shit clickbait site was that? I can't even remember now. It was one of the, the usual it, ones. One of the more ridiculous ones, clearly, that couldn't even be bothered to look up a previous transfer story about Alioski and how he's about to sign on a Bosman for someone because he's out of contract. Let's if all... they want to give us 10 million euros for him, that's fine. Rafinha, £22 million move to Manchester United. I mean, the sooner win. that club closes down. 20, 22 million. F- what, for, for which hematoma is that? Twats. I mean, that came from a... Was it United We Stand or someone I saw tweeting this that they will seem to be linking him with a £22 million move? I mean, it's Man United. If they want to buy Rafinha, just say we want like a, their entire club. They'd probably be stupid enough to do it. You could legitimately ask somewhere between 50 and £100 million for him and hold firm on that price. Can you? Not that I'm advocating it. I want to say very clearly I'm not, but given we're talking about holding them to ransom and the stupid money that they've got. He's under contract and we've only just bought him and he's dead good. So if someone wants him, they can fuck off unless they've got a huge amount of money. But I want him rather than their filthy money. Yeah, me too. Do you want Ryan Kent? I kind of want us to just buy him so I don't have to hear about it anymore. We asked um, Graham Smith about this on the um, over on the Extra Ball when we spoke to him in the last week or so and, and he was saying like it's one of those things you could just see happening at some point. He can just be dynamite in a game. You know, he can pick up the ball on the left and cut inside and all of a sudden the ball's in the back of the net and he can play centrally as well. He's got the kind of versatility and the pace and the, the tricks. I think he'd need probably a bit more work on the other side of the game that, that Bielsa demands from his wingers. But I could see it. I could definitely see it. He's like the new Billy Sharp or something, isn't he? I think he will eventually sign for us when he's about 36. But Gary Hooper never did, though, did he? That's true. That's true. We, we could get is Gary Hooper still at Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> swoop, swoop on that club like vultures. Uh, finally. Him and Jordan Rhodes get the pair of them in. And that other freak they've got up front, the giant bloke. He always scored against us. Nuhuhu. That's the one. Bless you. I still haven't forgotten the relationship we had. I say relationship. They thumped us PSV in the UEFA Cup sometime in the mid-90s. That always springs to mind whenever their name comes up. But we're apparently after one of their players, a winger, 19 years old, called Noni Mandueke, I think it's pronounced. That's how, If you're going to pronounce it like that, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Well, let's have him as well, I suppose. We need more wingers, don't we? His background is Spurs youth setup before he went off to PSV and uh, Scum were apparently interested in him at the same time. I'm slightly suspicious of taking wingers off Spurs, seeing that they took Jack Clark off us. Do we just get the, um, the Dutch? Is he Dutch? He, Benilux. No, the... he's actually English. Oh, he's not one of the Benilux. He's, he's not eligible for the Benilux countries. He, he may well be now, I suppose, if he's been there long enough. He might. That's probably why he took the move. Wanted to be Benilux. Well, one of the players who is playing in the Benilux countries, again, the same one, the Netherlands, that's the knee of uh, Benilux, Argentinian left-back, Nicolas Tagliafico. Tagliafico, that's I what would I, say. That's what I said. It's good that he'll be able to speak Argentinian to Bielsa as well. Yeah, sick of it. Where's the English? Well, here's the English. Steve Howie. Have we got, um, have we got the audio of him talking about Bielsa's future? Is he Geordie, Steve Howie? I'd hope so. I mean, he played for Newcastle, isn't it? Like an athletic Bilbao situation. Or are you thinking of Howie the lads? Is that why? Is that why you're assuming he is also from the northeast? If Steve Howie's not a yeah, no, there's there's some definitely some Geordie, good, there's definitely you? some good symbiosis there. He's actually from Sunderland, so he's a Mackham, not quite there a Geordie. You go. So go on then, in you go, Michael. Moscow does the northeast. I, pl- I play the. <laughs> I you, didn't think of that. I thought you were going to. No, it. you you did the Woodgate. He's laying. Well, this is about um, 
Bielsa going to Tottenham. Steve Howey says it wouldn't surprise him. And let's see how many times he says it wouldn't surprise him. Bielsa, he seems like a strange man, to be honest, and very intense. Wouldn't surprise me to see him there next season. There's nothing does surprise me in the football. Nothing surprises me in the football when you're talking about players being sold and bought and also when managers coming and going. So it wouldn't surprise me. Wow. You're not going to surprise him. <laughs> you're not. Run up behind him with a balloon. That didn't work. I can't. <laughs> Apparently the Athletic are persisting with their business, even though uh, Phil Hay is not on the roster at the minute. Good of them to keep going, I think. Bit disrespectful. Should have shut the whole thing down for him for a few months, I would say. But no, fair enough. Uh, you can keep in touch with the Leeds News on there. They're, uh, they're covering his absence over the next couple of months. As we are on the podcast, uh, you can sign up for The Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. Deals a quid a month, I believe. So have a look on there. The very latest offer, theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. Spurs at the weekend. What a thrill to have another one of the giants of world football coming to us at our meagre and pathetic Ellen Road compared to their cheese room. Well, it doesn't actually have a cheese room doesn't um, White Hart Lane 2.0, but they talked about it, and that's the important thing. Almost a home game for them, isn't it? It's their pitch. It's a good point. I mean, but, I think we've we've admittedly not looked after it brilliantly. I think it was, it's uh, gone from being it's, a... It's looking all right now, I think, because we've got a bit of sunshine in Yorkshire. Yeah, the, the spring has helped, although not that it's particularly spring-like at the moment, but yeah, it, it has just about done the job for us, hasn't it? Is Jack Clark going to be playing in this game, do you think? Presumably. I mean, they've got a child on the uh, on the bench pulling the strings as a manager so why not play some children in the team I mean I think he's at Stoke but yeah he's just going to loan down there isn't he they might recall him <laughs> which is going to ruin it somewhat but thank you for the pitch thank you for the 10 million pounds I don't know with Spurs it's very hard to say isn't it, it it's quite funny how their season's gone they were in the title race for about three weeks at the start of it weren't they because they had Mourinho and everyone thought they'd be decent then it fell apart it went it went exactly the way that Mourinho goes every time eventually I don't understand the man I don't I don't understand why Spurs employed him I do, it's that short-term bounce, isn't it? But then it went the way you expect it to go. I don't know. I, I just Maybe just the rampant short-termism of it just upset me. But it's funny to see what's happening to them as well. It was strange how it's... Uh, well, not strange. You can see why they did it. Going from um, rampant long-termism seemed to be their, their problem for a long time and then flipping the script for a rampant short-termism. Maybe they just need to stop trying to be so rampant. Aim for the medium-term. Rampant medium-termism. Mm. I think they spent loads in the stadium, didn't they? And then they realised they had a little panic that they thought Champions League football would last forever. They probably built a new trophy cabinet and filled it with cheese. But yeah, they're, they're weird as a club. I have no idea what to expect from this game. I do expect a different team to the one that we got in the 3-0 earlier in the season because they feel like a different club. It doesn't strike you as the happiest place, does it? Or maybe they're relieved that Mourinho's gone. It's hard to tell. You do always get that bounce when Mourinho leaves, don't you? That everyone's just can relax a little bit and Danny Rose can start coming and chatting to the first team again and... Everyone just feels a little bit happier that no one's bullying them on a daily basis. Was it the Stevenage players who were, when Steve Evans left and it was announced to them at a team meeting, somebody got up and they all had a big sing song of uh, let's sing a song now the fat man's gone. (laughs) I wonder if it's a similar kind of thing when Jose Mourinho leaves, suddenly all the party streamers come out and dancing and singing in the corridors. I think Spurs do need to be applauded for sacking him just before a cup final, though, just so he couldn't win a trophy. That such was a, a such a dick's move, isn't it? But are you fair play? I think they were hoping maybe that Ryan Mason, being a former player, he could sort of manage them to the a League Cup victory with tears in his eyes, that kind of um, emotional nobility, just like blinking blinking back as uh, as Harry goes and lifts up the trophy, and it's wasn't oh, it a beautiful day instead of Jose Mourinho probably doing uh, pissed off if they'd only won one nil. Well, he wouldn't want them to win any more than one nil, would he? Do you remember the, uh, I don't know if it's widely known outside of, I'm talking too much about scum today, but Alex Ferguson, when he was at Aberdeen and they won, I think the Scottish Cup final, and he went absolutely ballistic at them because they hadn't played well enough and he thought they were fucking terrible and um, slagged them off on your, the pitch on a TV hero. interview. Fer- <laughs> Fergie, as you call him, went, uh, Over at United. went storming around and upset all the wives. Just talking about managers, it is worth concentrating again on just how young Ryan Mason is at 29. It's wild that they've put him in charge, even temporarily, because we've got quite a few 29-year-olds in our squad. Do you know who's on the list? Forshaw, Cooper, Ailing, Alioski. Stuart Dallas is older than him. Would you put any of those people in charge of our football club? I mean, candidates, if Bielsa does go to Spurs this summer, and I presume we'd put Ryan Mason back into the 21 so we can't do a swap deal, then Janny, out of contract, make him manager. Could you imagine what that would be like? Maybe you'd get all sensible about it. 
you never know. Sometimes you do get these these pivots in management, don't you? Where someone who's been quite a creative attacking player turns out to be dour and like George Graham was a was an attacking player, wasn't he? And then became a manager and made them absolutely miserable to watch. Well, certainly made us miserable to watch. I think his Arsenal side was kind of all right. So what do we expect from this then? Because they're very good at finishing scoring chances, if you are to believe what the well, internet I mean, that's, internet charlatans uh, who scored.com say. That's probably Harry Kane, isn't it? I think he's quite good at finishing uh, scoring chances. It has all changed since um, since the change of manager, so it's hard to read too much into whoscored.com's analysis based on beating Southampton and Sheffield United. Very weak at protecting the lead, probably doesn't count after a 4-0 victory over the blades um also weak at avoiding fouling in dangerous areas and weak at stopping opponents from creating chances which would be helpful um because that's where brighton did us stopped us from creating chances so it would be nice if in this game old uh, podcast pat actually gets a sniff of a ball in a, in a penalty area that he can actually shoot at the goal it would be nice to see him do that again i think he's missing it as well these are the games i quite look forward to off the back of us doing badly like we did at Brighton because we seem to bounce back quite well and because it's one of the so-called bigger clubs. Hopefully we will lift our game in response to that and we'll see um, better output from everybody at, at Ellen Road and there'll be that desire to give a better account of yourself than we gave down there earlier in the season. And hopefully Calvin's back. Do we know? No. I mean, we didn't even know he was out and then um, Bielsa's just, his favourite new word is hematoma, isn't it? Seems like everybody's got a fucking... Hematoma from uh, Rafinha to Calvin Phillips to Phil Hay. I felt the same as you, Dan, after the the Brighton game, that that sets us up nicely for beating Tottenham. And their away kit, it's an absolute scandal as well. Have you seen that? I mean, quite apart from the Nike backwards collar on their um, on their home shirt, their away kit is just ridiculous, isn't it? It's the sort of green and pink and black affair. It just, it's awful. I actually can't picture it. I think my mind might have deliberately put it to the back so it, so it can't be bothered by it. I was associated green awake it with Arsenal anyway in the early 80s. Yeah, oh, Villa, very nice. Villa as well. They had that stripy green and black one, didn't they, with the red um, stripes in between. Oh, that was more more black though, wasn't it? The Muller one, whereas Arsenal's was just full blending into the grass. All you could see is David O'Leary and Niall Quinn's floating heads. Yeah, Liverpool had that green awake it, didn't they? But this one, it's quite. it's got mm. a, a doom green feel about it. It doesn't feel like a happy green. <laughs> it's a miserable cheese roomless green. Would you prefer us to flip for kits and let them wear their home kit we'll wear maroon. away yeah we'll stick the maroon on them in fact we wore the maroon kit didn't we for the last time at Brighton I did run the stats on this and the maroon kit is our most successful statistically so the white kit we've worn 22 times so far and it's brought home 26 points that's 1.18 points per game the um, blue and green we've only wore four times so far I imagine we'll wear that at Burnley won't we but so far it's only returned six points so uh, 1.5 points per game so better than the home kit but obviously the sample size is bigger for the home kit maroon decent sample size eight games so far 15 points 1.875 so maroon most successful i think uh it's time to change the colors to red isn't it what in line with your favorite club (laughs) united united we're gonna win this aren't we don't be daft hurricane will dive win a penalty score it that's what spurs do i think we win i do too i mean i might get a backlash for my positivity, but I'd rather live in this headspace than his miserable existence. <laughs> Harry Michael. Kane's not scoring past Dylan Melier. That's not happening. It is a battle of the two best French goalkeepers, isn't it, in this one? So Some would call it a battle. Some would say that the uh, the winner is written already. Ilan all the way. Hey, just thinking about Spurs, you know, when they got rid of Mourinho and sacking him before a cup final, do you reckon you might need a solicitor with expertise in employment law? Am I stretching a bit here again? Mourinho's probably got them uh, on call, and I presume he only uses the best. Yeah, he's, he's got one on retainer, hasn't he? Because he's never anywhere for more than two or three years. And by the best, I mean... Levi solicitors? No others. I believe they're the only ones. It's the only game in town. And, do you know, it was really good of it was really good of Jose to uh, to give us a call and get the, uh, get the 10% discount, which is available for you as well. So you can be like Jose Mourinho and get 10% off your legal fees. It'll put a smile on your face. <laughs> with Levi Solicitors at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Let's dive into the polar opposites of the last seven days then with heroes and villains in this part of the podcast. First is the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Award. Nominations, please. And don't forget, we, uh, we open this out to RTSB Plus subscribers. They are the names you are about to hear. 
Leeds United. They're not, as far as we're aware, TSB Plus subscribers. However, they were nominated by Tom and Craig. The club as a whole, Tom singled out Ben White as well for giving him a, giving him a guard of honour halfway through the match by letting him run right through our entire lineup. That was taking friendship a little bit too far, wasn't it? Oh, what's Ben doing? Hey, go on, Ben. Tackle him! But the, the perils of man-marking, I suppose. Craig does kind of give Leeds a pass as well. He's saying all of them terrible performance, but then said it does kind of show where we're, where we're at that we can shrug our shoulders and laugh at this at this stage of the season. Cause we're like, well, it's all going fine generally, isn't it? It is because it's Tuesday lunchtime as we're recording this and later on Rotherham will be playing at Luton, which could have a bearing on the relegation outcome for the bottom four in the championship. And I just hear those two names and think, no offence, Angus, I just think it's just great that we don't have to mix with that riffraff anymore and bother ourselves with the bloody championship. Although being at Rotherham and seeing uh, Adrian Tavares making his debut is still a, a happy... It was Rotherham. I always get mixed up with Doncaster. I walked to that game. Of course I did. <laughs> so it was Rotherham. From what I can remember. I think that I'd, take, I'd drunk that much Red Bull and had that many paracetamol and ibuprofen. I think I saw it through a bit of a, a haze. That was, but... that was the Friday night game, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Whereas these days, if you walk to a stadium, they'll wrap your feet in brie when you get there. Much more comfortable. Uh, Janny Ioski was nominated for Villainy by a couple of people, Tom and Jimbo, uh, for just, well, Janny. You know what happened. He cuddled a man's legs and all the cameras that are recording in ultra high definition were bound to pick it up. And unfortunately, that's what happened. And the referee's eyes, which as far as I'm aware... I don't know what the resolution of those is. I mean, I think everyone saw it, didn't they? Which was a bit of a shame for Johnny. It was a bit of a shame for us as well. It was one of his more annoying fuck-ups because given the size of their defenders, we didn't need to give them an excuse to go and defend. If we'd, uh, It's another one of those games. and It's not only Alioski who has um, put us on into these situations, but he did it this time where... You wish that game had stayed nil-nil for longer just to see what might have happened if an idiot hadn't ruined it. Uh, Mope got singled out from this game too. Uh, Liam, just because he's a dick. That's Mope, not Liam. Um, Liam says he's a dick. And Martin said, because uh, of that fucking face, to quote um, Martin's words, he's taken over from Neil Harris as a riverbank dwelling enemy number one. The teeth aren't quite as yellow and ratty looking as, as Harris, are they? And um, he was Millwall's manager before who had that same look about him. Kenny Jacket, that That's was the, the guy. One. Yeah, the pair of them. Mope, I think he's got the more. Jacket. He's got more Premier League footballer teeth, hasn't he? Which is taken away from it. But I know, I know. Naturally, they should be little <laughs> yellowed, nicotine-stained <laughs> spikes. He's just Neil Harris with a toothbrush. Uh, Dan Byrne was picked out by Adam as well. Said that lanky bastard for Brighton. Effectively, MMA need Luke Ayling. He's got no grace while playing football, and generally just annoyed me. You know, you try not to get dragged into the whole conspiracy against Leeds thing but then you do look at some of these especially compared to I mean um, Fernandinho has a who? Fernandinho yeah, I thought, thought, thought that's what you said has a nomination from Jimbo um, which club does he play for? Manchester City Football Club mm-hmm. and we should have uh, who was the fucking scum bastard that broke Helder Costa's back it was was it Wambasaka. it was Wambasaka. you know that keeps happening to our players and then they go they're missing for games. And then this big fucking disgrace knees Luke Ayling in the face. and In the face. Yeah. Um, and you know it's an accident. I'm sure he didn't deliberately go and fucking try and rearrange Luke Ayling's beauty. He's just got big legs. But still, when you've seen some of the stuff that people are getting pulled up for and red and yellow cards and criticism about, this just these always seem to just go under the radar. And I wonder if it's maybe once we've got rid of Bielsa and Spurs have taken him on and uh, and realised what a, a fraud he, he is deep down. Would you be surprised well, if he went to Spurs? Yeah, I'd be absolutely stunned. But <laughs> I'd be surprised. Um, oh, sorry, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But I would drive him there myself if it meant we could have a proper manager come in who would make who would encourage all our players to make a massive deal out of this kind of thing. So that if Luke Halen gets kneed in the face, he follows the referee home. He's that bothered about it. There's a big crowd of Leeds players waiting for him outside until this is uh, goes our way. Have you seen the nomination from uh, Ryan, who's in Australia, who does nominate Marcelo Bielsa? He says, at risk of making myself the villain, I think the main villain of the game was Bielsa's decision to take Llorente off the pitch to make way for Hernandez instead of taking off the ineffective click. Reduced our defensive capability, which was proven almost immediately with Welbeck's goal and still had click 
hindering progress in midfield. I mean, Hernandez didn't do much either, did he? It's sad to see Hernandez and Click as being almost two villains from this game because they just neither of them were really up to it. It breaks my heart a little bit. And they're not villains, though, are they? In the sense that they're just not done anything particularly good. I find it difficult to inflict villainy upon them. Well, it's Bielsa that Ryan has nominated, so that may you may find that easier. Bloke in the other dugout got a mention from Sarah as well, just for actually getting his team to win a game and mainly against us. He's just Roy Hodgson with a better haircut, isn't he, Graham Potter? Ooh, I've been to Sweden. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Brighton fans got a mention from Sam, just for crawling out of the woodwork and thinking they're world-class suddenly. Um, they're a weird breed. Don't uh, forget that guy on the propaganda is the perfect example. You don't know how tough it is in the Premier League. Learn a lesson from the way Brighton have handled ourselves up here. Huh. What, by getting more points than you've ever got in the Premier League? Is that the way we should do it? Barely staying up every year. That's what you need to aim for for at least a decade. And then maybe, maybe venture into the top 15. Uh, Sarah Ann picked out Leeds fans, which again feels controversial given the audience of this podcast. Uh, And the hosts. But I feel very attacked. She's saying Leeds Twitter specifically. She's American, never mind. Uh, And they've never, ever engaged with Leeds. (laughs) I can't (laughs) criticise somebody... That's the joke. Going for Leeds fans. <laughs> That's the Americans. joke. Americans. Oh, dear me. And I've never engaged with Leeds online fandom until COVID. But between the absurd statements that we should be going for top six anytime soon, come on, y'all. It's a rigged system. If it happens, it'll be fleeting. See, that's such a negative Nancy. <laughs> to the sell everyone cries, this weekend was peak meltdown. My God, it's exhausting. You're exhausting me, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just kidding. Thanks for your feedback. Scum fans got a mention from Rachel as well. Oh, Moscow, I want to defend him here, I'm sure. I can't believe this is happening. He's just taken his shirt off. He's got the word sharp tattooed across best, his naked torso. The best fans in the country, and Rachel comes on there to criticise him. Moscow will not hear a word said against them. She's saying there's a, there isn't a fan base with a bigger sense of entitlement. Uh, if there is, she'd like to know who and what they are. Yeah, they've got shit owners. Um, but they've got no idea, basically, because, you know, Bates, GFA, Chilino, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Get over yourselves. Moscow? I said my <laughs> bit earlier on. You don't need to hear me blathering on. Rachel's perfectly entitled and does have a point because there will be a lot of those scum fans who are just purely, who won't understand the problem with the Glazers to any degree and they just, they can't understand why they haven't already signed Highland. They are a club supported in the main by fuckwits. I'm a better supporter of that team than any of their own fans. You certainly are. Niall mentions Victor Orta, but I think he's wrong here. Orta tried to beat him with a hammer in a dream after he failed to sign someone at the end of a window. I mean, depends who it was. You know, contextualise your crime and then we'll decide whether Victor was justified or not. If it was Rodrigo de Paul and he just slipped slipped through his fingers, it was all there to be done and it went full Dan James, then um, yeah, a hammer... Just be glad it wasn't Timmy Mallet. You might end up with a hematoma. Victor Orta dressed as Timmy Mallet. Maybe that would be. Um, remember when the the end of season, the last the last game used to be fancy dress. Maybe we um we send Victor Orta out dressed as Timmy Mallet. While we're going on the attack, why is my name on this sheet? What am I being nominated for, dickheads? You were nominated for whinging like a girl about not wanting to go drinking around Europe because we'll have too many games. Next sexist, year. sexist. That for a start, which I don't like. That is true. That is true. But um. Why don't you want to do it? Why do you, Why are you against fun? No, I'm not against fun, right? If we do get into Europe for next season, we won't be able to travel because we're still in a post-COVID world. So I was just thinking practically, save it for the season after when we've improved the squad a little bit more. We can all go again across Europe, drinking and, you know, drinking in, in nice, beautiful town squares, you know, how it normally goes, that kind of thing. Well, we're going down next year anyway, that Brighton fan said. So the town square you're going to be drinking in is probably going to be Luton. Well, whoever it was that suggested this said, I'm, I'm turning into a proper Premier League fan. Well, coward, what's your name? Didn't even put your name on it. <laughs> well, they probably did. I think I probably didn't put it on the prep sheet. Because well, you're, you're a coward. Because I'm, I'm incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> All three of us got a nomination, actually, from Patrick for um, unbridled jinx-filled predictions. At least Patrick had the uh, courage of his convictions and put his name on the sheet. He did, and he did pick out me in particular for that, because my natural pessimism should be should be there to counter any optimism, so... It's returned this week, don't worry, we're losing to Spurs. I should be pleased to be um, left out of these by name, but I get the feeling that might be changing <laughs> next week as I slowly take my Andrei Kanchelskis poster down. Finally, Pat Bamford gets a nomination for smashing Bielsa in the face with a football, a crime which he's admitted to, so we should probably let him off for good behaviour there. And honestly, Admitted to, but also he's done nothing to make it right. 
apart from going laughing up with Peter Crouch on his podcast. If I had done that to Marcelo Bielsa, and let's not forget the last training interaction between Pat Bamford and Marcelo Bielsa that we saw was Bielsa running 60 yards across a football pitch to hug him in one of the most touching, heart-rending moments that we've seen at Thorpe Arch. How does Pat Bamford repay him? Smashing a football into his face at fucking 50 mile an hour. If you'd done it, Moscow, you'd have used your, red, you'd, the, you'd used your red, white and black ball, wouldn't you? I'd have left the country. How do you even... You'd have left the... What, sorry? I'd have left the country. Oh, thank God. I would have <laughs> moved. I would have emigrated. I would have changed my phone number. I would have renounced my former life. I would have gone and lived as a monk. There's no way you can possibly kick a football into Marcelo Bielsa's face and then be reminded of it every day because his glasses are wonky. But then just carry on blithely as if nothing has happened. I'd be mortified. I did. That. I remember doing this at school. I managed to just in the field. It's kind of at break time. I just twatted a ball, and it was from miles away. There's no way I was a good enough footballer to do it on purpose. But hit Miss Ogram in the face, who was the art teacher, and it was bent glasses. Tea all spilt down herself. There were tears. I just, I just went over and said sorry. Well, this, she, was, she was all right about it. To be fair, the full story. I mean. Bamford even said that Bielsa has this problem of standing in a weird place when having shooting practice as if it was Bielsa's own fault. But he said he's, he turned away and went, oh, dinada, dinada, it's okay, it's okay. Then five minutes later, I'm he's, all right. walk- I'm all right. I'm he's all walking right. off to the physio, bleeding out of his nose with a massive cut across his face. And it is the kind of thing, you remember how terrible that felt when you kicked the football into the face of your teacher. Well, we know from Bielsa's track record that 20 years after things have happened, he will phone people up in the middle of the night to apologise. But Pat Bamford, if he's not realised now, I think it will hit him at some point, like a football to the face. He'll just wake up sweating in the middle of the night and go, fucking hell, Marcelo Bielsa's probably, he, you know, he turned my career around, the nicest person I ever met. You hate he him, ran you? across the pitch to hug me. You And this is how I repaid him. You hate Patrick Bamford and you wish he was uh, Robin Van Persie. That's the truth, isn't it? Mark Hughes wouldn't have done that, would he? Volleying a ball inaccurately. Who's your, uh, your villain of the week? Well, I mean, it's not the... Uh, it's not even the only thing Pat Bamford has done oh. this week. That's the Peter Crouch show. He's shown these revelations as to, you know, we all thought it was cute that Marcelo Bielsa had these little broken glasses. Then we find out that it, he's been the victim of a terrible assault. But then on um, his own podcast with the uh, with his supporting crew, they had Robin Cock on as a guest and they were talking about how he's not seen much of Leeds um, while it's been locked down. And um, they were suggesting perhaps places that Patrick Bamford could take him to. I want to know where you're going out, because I've not, I've not been out in Leeds for some time, so where, where, um, where are we all going yeah. when I get over there and all roll right, out? Where, 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 are you, where are you taking <laughs> me and Robin? I think you should start the Peacock, personally. Absolutely. You Where's mean, that? What's that? Patrick, are you being serious? You'd probably drive past it every Saturday. Literally, it's you know the, the pub, pub closest just, just to Ellen Road? Like, literally across the road? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's called the Peacock? Yeah. Is it? So I think Pat is maybe the wrong person to show me. Yeah. <laughs> me and Matt will show you around, Robin. How about that? Patrick. How does he not know? Padders. Called him Padders, didn't he? Cock. I think Padders may not be the best person to show me around. I mean, credit to Robin for the, the joke in his second language. That was quite, quite effective and, and quite sharp. Sharper than somebody. How long has he been here? You'd notice. It's got a big sign. If he hasn't sat there and gone through his old Rothmans annuals and seen that we used to be called the Peacocks and our old badge was a peacock and there's a pub there called the on the Peacock next to the old Peacock ground. I mean, this is the question is what else doesn't he know? <laughs> yeah. Bless him. Podcast Peacock Pat. Who's your villain of the week? Pat. Paddy. Padders. Padders. No. Well, who else is? But it's Brighton. Brighton have beaten us. They've beaten us twice this season. It's got to be that clown Potter. Did, or... did they break Bielsa's glasses and cut his nose? Um, I'm going to actually, it's Moscow for being a scum loving prick. Yes. No, that's next yeah. week. Yeah, fair point. No, let, think, yeah. let the public have their say on that before you, uh, you yep, make everyone, any judgments. Everyone send that in. I took a, a particularly bitter dislike to Dan Byrne, actually, which Adam singled out and nominated. Just he represented everything that was wrong with Brighton and Potterball. I suppose he would have um, need Bielsa in the face if he was close enough, wasn't he? So can we um, get him for that? I don't see why not. Dan Byrne, as a representative of Brighton, ampersand Hove Albion. He's a disgrace to the name. Right, let's do something a bit brighter and happier now and pick an Andy Hughes hero of the week. Again, slim pickings this week because, you know, the football and all that. So let's go through the, the player nominations first. Pervader was nominated by Katie just for being a lovely lad. He's the anti-Dan James. If he went down, he'd get loads of free kicks, but he actually wants to stay on his feet and, uh, and not play the game. The game as in, you know, the game. 
the going over game. Yeah, yeah. you mentioned, I think, on the uh, the match ball that he kind of plays like a kid. He's good. I like him. He's, he, he's a bit of fun, isn't he? In a game where very little's happened. He just he wants was, to. He's pick, kind of enjoyable to watch. He wants to pick it up and dribble around everybody, even though he's, he can't. <laughs> but good on him for trying. That's the important thing. He's got the enthusiasm. Rodrigo was nominated. And again, feels tenuous. Sarah Ann. Is this our American friend? You mean the one that you absolutely slated? That's the one. Yeah, not because he was great, just because she really wants him to find his feet. Right. New country, COVID injuries, I lost already, his Spain spot. It's been a nightmare for him. I, I already he, had, I had grievances with Sarah Ran as it was, and now you're nominating Rodrigo for Hero of the Week. I think he's he's basically getting like an Idiguchi nomination there, isn't he? That he's he's gone somewhere new, he's lost his place in his international team, his whole life's gone to shit. So um, hopefully being nominated and not winning this will be some comfort. I mean, I, I know I've gone in with both feet here on Sarah Ran in this podcast, but it's nothing compared to your crimes, Moscow, so I think I'll probably get away with it. I mean, to be fair, Sarah Ran is hoovering up all the first names, isn't she? You've got to leave some for some other people. Stuart Dallas has been nominated as well for... Uh, well, who is he? He's doing it as well. Look, Adam Edwards has nominated it. He's pinching first everyone's first names. Not only one Edward, but multiple. <laughs> Not even your favourite Edwards, is it? That'd obviously be Martin. <laughs> um, he thinks Stuart Dallas is good. And <laughs> nominated this time for uh, for being nice about having to play in um, uh, different positions. Twice in one game. This time, his lovely Irish face says Adam Edwards won't have complained. Uh, Sarah said that Cock came across well in the official podcast that we just heard the clip from there. And Ryan mentions that he, he's done well for his first outing in midfield. And all right, again, was it good enough though? Was it good enough, I ask? Because Craig and Adrian both separately suggested that we give this to nobody given the, the week that we've had. It's a fair nomination. Robbins at least does seem to have the peripheral vision that Bamford lacks. He can notice things over the road. Yeah, if you're crossing on the pedestrian crossing at Ellen Road, just watch out if it's, you know, an hour or two before kickoff. Because if Pat doesn't see you, you are in bother. Although I do think they tend to come in on a coach, don't they, from the hotel in the centre of Leeds. So maybe they've done that to stop Pat mowing people down. Get off your phone in the coach, Pat. Have a look out the window. There's a whole world out there. Well, let's circle right back to where we started this show, which was a mention for Phil Hay, because Liam, Sam, Jimbo, Tom, Katie, Patrick, all nominated Phil for, uh, for Hero of the Week. Best wishes for the path ahead towards a full recovery, said Patrick specifically. So, yeah, amen to all that. Not sure Phil has done anything necessarily heroic. I mean, his role in this was minimal. Just getting poorly isn't, ex- isn't heroic, is it? You know? No, Pete was- Vickers does, uh, does run with that, nominates his surgeon. Another, yeah. another NHS hero, says Pete. Do we know that? Did Phil NHS or did he go private? He's a Scotsman. Of course he went on the NHS. Didn't even have the anaesthetic, did he? Just the tenants beforehand. <laughs> well, tenants is... I think it is on the list of licensed anaesthetics. I think that's the only logical winner, is Phil's surgeon. He was challenged by Phil to find a brain. He found one and he fixed it. Good job. I mean, we don't know that he's fixed it yet. Kept it in working order. He may come back better than he ever was before. Exactly. You can have a a chat to him about football. You can never do it before. Enhanced. No, we do send our absolute best wishes um, to Phil and nice one, Phil's surgeon. I did try and find out who Phil's surgeon was. I haven't texted Phil because I don't want to pester him too much because he's just had brain surgery, but they've got a lot of neurosurgeons at the LGI. There's like 10 or 11 of them. Great bunch of lads. Exactly. And all the people looking after him who are probably hearing all sorts about hearts and Bielsa from morning till night. I bet actually Phil is being peppered with questions in there. People are being... Just wandering over to him going, any news on Rodrigo de Paul? And he'd be he like, did. fuck's sake. He did say that, you know, before he signed off, didn't he? That imagine if he gets in a bed opposite like a really dyed-in-the-wool Leeds fan who wants to know everything that Phil knows. Like, well, I hope he's I hope he's having a peaceful recovery anyway. Yeah, and hopefully we'll catch up with him soon. And check out TSB Plus as well if you want to get our full square ball experience. We appreciate your support. You get all sorts on there, full digital access to the mag and early podcasts, merch discounts and the lot. Head to the squareball.net forward slash plus if you want to check that out, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. The Squareball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.